This is Bill Messerly with St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, bringing you a weekly faith dialogue with Bishop Robert J. Brennan, Bishop for the Diocese of Columbus, for the week following Epiphany. Welcome, Your Excellency. Thank you. Happy New Year and all the blessings of Christmas and Epiphany. You have been, of course, very involved in proclaiming God's Word this Christmas and over these last couple of weeks. Where do we start today? Well, I hope everyone had a good Christmas. We had talked a lot in preparation for Christmas, and from what I understand, the Masses went very well in the parishes. People worked together. Um, uh, the weather made everything very beautiful Christmas Eve, but um, but also made it a little more difficult for people to get out. So I think um, the, we did not have to worry too much about crowds, although it is sad that that we couldn't be together. But I found that lots of people did tune in to the Mass on television, and people came and told me recently how they did exactly what we had hoped, that they gathered as a family and made that part of their day. So, uh, and, and others have been in the church in the days since, um, coming for the Feast of the Holy Family, for the F- Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God, and the Feast of the Epiphany. So we have been celebrating Christmas now as it should be celebrated for a season, not just for a day. And uh, Christmas begins uh, Christmas Eve and goes through this Sunday, the Feast of the Baptism of Our Lord. Is that correct? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas? Yes. That refers to the time between Christmas and Epiphany, presuming Epiphany is January 6th. Mm -hmm. And so that that goes to that idea of a Christmas season. We are in the Christmas season, and it's still a time to proclaim the the birth of our Savior. But now, when we get to the Epiphany, we talk about it more in the sense of the manifestation of God, that that God has shown himself to the human family, and that God has made himself available to all nations. I was uh, interested in the Gospel uh, this Sunday in the homily that I heard that uh, the Greek word for all nations— Uh, also refers to all nationalities or all ethnic backgrounds. And I thought that was a broader look look at things for me. Yes, indeed. All peoples, you might say. That's right. And St. Paul um, makes that point in the reading that we heard on the Epiphany. Um, It's a big lead-up. I'm about to share with you a mystery, and this is a big deal. And then finally he says that the Gentiles are co heirs with the Jews in the mystery of salvation. And that we're so all seeking our Lord. That's all, pe- that's all peoples. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that we're all seeking our, our Lord just as the, um, the three, three kings did. Precisely, precisely. You know, you, we've been talking over these months, and we're going to be talking a lot about the idea of missionary discipleship. And, and one of the things that impresses me so much here in this diocese is that missionary spirit that's part of um, the the attitude of so many people and so many of our institutions, you might say, we 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 really grasped onto that. Um, and but a key part of missionary discipleship is discipleship, mm-hmm. and discipleship comes down to seeking the Lord and just spending time at His feet, saying, "I need to be near the Lord." A disciple is one who walks with the Lord who sits with the Lord, who listens to the Lord. And so the first step in missionary discipleship is to 
seek to be with Jesus. So that's what the Magi did, right? Mm-hmm. They they followed the guidance of a star. And uh, um, I, I made a joke out of it. I said, they didn't have GPS. <laughs> <laughs> And, and they didn't have McDonald's to stop at on the way. <laughs> and they didn't have McDonald's to stop at on the way. No and, dollar uh, coffee for them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So they made a long and arduous journey through the and, – and, and, and think about it for a while. When you when, – that kind of a journey, there, there, there are all the natural dangers. You have to go through all kinds of uh, weather and um, – and, and, not really forests, it's deserts, but you know the animals that are out there, it's, there are all kinds of dangers, natural dangers. But then as you go f- through village to village, it's not like traveling on 70 um, and seeing the different signs and towns, but a lot of these so-called villages were really independent states at battle with each other. And so you had the the brigands and the robbers along the way, but you also would have had, well, where are you from and what are you doing in our territory? And so it was dangerous on a lot of levels. And and they made that journey following the star because they knew that something needed fixing. They knew that God was doing something. And they were the Gentiles. They represented the people from the outside of the Jewish world coming in search but they came, and they found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. So what did they do? They knelt down to prostrate themselves and offer their gifts. They knelt down in homage before Christ, before the promised of the anointed, the promised of God. And, and that's you know, us, isn't it? We, we're meant to be seekers. But to me, the Feast of the Epiphany needs to awaken in us that, that desire. How strong is that desire in my life? Um, to seek Christ and find him and prostrate in homage before him and offer him the best of who I am. How deep is that desire to to make that journey for Christ more important than anything else? And what kind of encouragement can you give us? Uh, I think that there is a belief by some of us that laity is not a disciple, that's only left for the priest and religious. <laughs> Actually, discipleship is, for all of us, that's what being baptized is about, to become a disciple. Um, it, 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 actually, some, sometimes we can, I, I, I think the danger is we tend to divide ourselves up as disciples and as missionaries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we say, okay, um, disciples are the listeners and uh, the missionaries are the doers, and that's not it. Um, a missionary, you can't give what you don't have. And so a missionary needs first to be a disciple. But a disciple, by very nature of being a disciple of Christ, becomes a missionary. It, because, so you can't the, – the, the experience with Christ, the encounter with Jesus Christ, is not something that is meant to be private either. So you're right. Discipleship belongs to all of us to seek after Jesus more than anything. Now, I, I, I think I hear what you're saying. You know, we talk about, when I use that a term like to, to make the 
journey to know Jesus Christ more important than anything else, you might say, well, wait a minute, <laughs> as a layperson, I've got family, I've got a job, I've got this, i got that. Yeah, exactly. And, and being a disciple puts all of those into their proper order. To be, to, so, and, and that's where the call to, 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 to be intentional about prayer becomes important. You know, it doesn't mean that we spend a disciple. It doesn't mean that you just spend the whole day in a monastery. But the disciple says that I set my prayer with God and my relationship with God before everything else, even before all my relationships, before all my responsibilities. And then you know what? If I do that, every, then then things find their order. Then then if if I'm truly a disciple of the Lord, I'm going to love my spouse better. If I'm truly a disciple of the Lord, I'll, I'll find the patience to be attentive to the children. If I can truly be a disciple of the Lord, then I can be more authentic at what I do at work or how I engage people in the community. Um, though all of those things, or how I spend my time, even... Yeah, you know, we talked. I talked a lot during Christmas time about those who feel isolated. If um, if I am truly a disciple of the Lord, I can put that into perspective um, a little differently, and turn that into an experience and encounter with Christ, and maybe find a little less isolation because at least I know the presence of the Lord. So you're exactly right. Discipleship is for everyone. And then what it does is it puts the rest of our lives into the proper order. And then it makes us missionary. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to start with the simple, our family? <laughs> Isn't that true, right? We missionaries first to our families. and that, Well, it would be great because I think sometimes that is the greatest challenge. It's the most obvious, but it's also the most rewarding, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When we can be that disciple, when we can... And, and that's our primary responsibility in our families, right? What's the primary responsibility of a parent? It's to prepare a, li- a child for the life of heaven. What's the primary responsibility of marriage? Mm. To help our spouse to live a life that leads to heaven. And so, um, and that, that's why we put these into sacramental moments. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 we do begin with our family. Now, you know, the, 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 the Magi, they went and they encountered Christ in the manger, in the stable in Bethlehem. They found the, Mary and Joseph with the child. And they prostrated before him. We erect our nativity sets, and um, and we we have a moment of encounter with the Lord as we gaze upon the nativity. We turn to the Lord, but you know what? Um, we also, more importantly, I should say, encounter Jesus at the altar. We encounter not the likeness of Jesus, not an image which reminds us of his coming among us 2,000 years, but we meet Jesus in the flesh, at the altar, and before the tabernacle, in the sacred Eucharist, 
And so our, part of our search of discipleship is turning to the Lord in the Eucharist. And we have two great saints mm-hmm. who can teach us about encountering Christ in the Eucharist this week, two Americans. Imagine that. Isn't that great? Yes. So yesterday we celebrated the Feast of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, and today, on Tuesday, we celebrate the Feast of St. John Neumann. St. John Neumann was bishop in Philadelphia, and um, and I, I love St. John Neumann. I feel a little bit of a connection with St. John Neumann because he, my family, my, on the Brennan side, my father's family, hails from the... Um, the coal mines of Pennsylvania, Potsdam, Pennsylvania, Hexersville, all of that area. And so um, when, when you read the life of John uh, Norman, he is a terrific saint for, um, for, for, he loved those rural areas. He loved the coal mining area. He loved visiting those parishes. And in fact, the Office of Reading talks about, on today talks about his feeling connected with those people. And what was the love? It was that connection of the Eucharist. What made him a missionary? He was he was actually born in Bohemia and came here as a as a missionary. It was that love of the Eucharist and to provide the Eucharist for people in all the reaches of what was then the Diocese of Philadelphia. Um so so I feel that connection with him as a missionary disciple bishop. But St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, yesterday was a significant anniversary. It was the 200th anniversary of her death. And so yesterday's Feast of St. Elizabeth was something special to note. And um, I think we're all very familiar with her story and her conversion. But to me, one of the important moments of her life and her conversion was recognizing Jesus in the gift of the Eucharist. There's a point, um, St. Elizabeth, you you know, that she went to Italy. Her husband had been very sick. And there was a thought that maybe the Mediterranean climate could help him. And um, and so they went to uh, Italy. First, believe it or not, like a lot of our experience today, before they could even step onto ground, they had a quarantine. And then they went to Italy, and they went to the care of, of the Felici family. And actually, her husband had died in that time. But she got to see Catholicism up close, not through the eyes of biased views, people talking about Catholicism, but she saw Catholics in action. And she, she, she was so impressed as the priest, for example, would bring the Blessed Sacrament to people at home. And, um, and people would kneel along the way. She saw... The, the people's belief in the Eucharist. She wrote to her back to um, the United States. She said, my sister dear, how happy we would be if only we believed what these dear souls believe, that they possess God in the sacrament and that he remains in their churches and is carried to them when they are sick. She had that longing and she recognized that indeed and she gave, and she did come to believe that God really is present. God isn't distant. God isn't um, far away and uncaring. But that she was longing for that intimacy with God, and she found it in the Eucharist. Bishop Brennan, what kind of encouragement would you give to the listener now 
who is yearning for the Eucharist, and perhaps they've either been distant from that as a uh, Catholic who is not practicing, or um, they are a non-Catholic that wishes to experience the joy of the Eucharist. Isn't that a great question? So for someone, if, if maybe this epiphany can awaken in you that sense of longing, longing to know that God is near, maybe to take the journey of the wise men and the journey of Elizabeth Ann Seton to heart and say, if there's something not right in my life, is it possible that the Lord is calling me closer to him? And make the journey. Maybe you need to find a spiritual friend who is a Catholic, a lay person who might accompany you, um, or just sit down to talk with the priest or a deacon or um, perhaps a religious uh, brother or sister and, and, and just explore a little bit. And, and make your way to the Sacrament of Reconciliation where you will find the Lord with open, open arms, uh, so ready to embrace you. And um, so if, you, if, if you, you're a Catholic who's been away from the sacraments, maybe this epiphany is a call to hear the gentle voice of the Lord calling you forward, saying, come, come closer, come closer. Sort of like the star, you know. On the other hand, if you're not a Catholic and you want to explore the Catholic faith like St. Elizabeth Ann Seton did, give you a very similar advice, find a friend. Or just stop into a mess and sit. For comfort, you can sit anywhere you want. Know that you're very welcome, but maybe you want to sit in the back and just observe at first. But talk to somebody. Talk to somebody in the parish Talk to a priest. Talk, talk. If you're going to talk to a Catholic, though, talk to a Catholic who's securing their faith. Somebody who you see, who you see the joy of living the Catholic life. Um, um, and and the, if you're drawn in, you might be you'll be invited. You will be invited into what we call the rite of Christian initiation of adults, which is really a period of discernment. You don't, you don't start with baptism. You start by asking questions. And, and many parishes have um, the, the RCIA groups, you call them, but, um, but where people do meet to explore and to learn more and more about the faith and ultimately then to prepare for, for baptism. And then finally, let me just speak to another group of people and, and a, a group of people who are probably listening to St. Gabriel Radio. So if I could speak to you directly, if this last year has caused us an awful lot of isolation, and if you you haven't been able to experience the Lord in the Eucharist because of the COVID situation, because you are somewhat confined, please reach out to your parish. Be a little patient, please. Everybody's running and uh, doing the best they can under not-so-easy times. And speak to your parish and see about having someone bring you the Eucharist, perhaps a priest coming to anoint if, and to uh, celebrate reconciliation, if that's something you would like. Um, but let them know that 
your homebound and uh, and isolate it and see what can't be done. It's been a little bit trickier these days because we have to make sure we're being safe about entering into people's homes and not bringing. We want to bring Jesus. We don't want to bring coronavirus. <laughs> but um, but we but if you if, if you just have the conversations, then we'll see what what can happen. And um, and if it's not because of actual being confined by illness, but not being able to come into the, the church itself because of taking you know, vulnerability or other reasons um, to, to work out something. What, what, what I'm trying to do is avoid what you might call like the, the assembly line approach to Holy Communion, that you, know, you just stand there and uh, <laughs> pass out the Eucharist as if it were a commodity. But that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities to receive our Lord outside of Holy Mass. And um, and it might be um, um, working out a time so that you can meet with a priest or a parish minister or deacon, somebody who would be able, that, that, the, that the parish itself, you, you don't just go to an individual and say, hey, can you, 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 we don't just ask a Eucharistic minister, could you, you know, let's, could you give me communion? It's basically approach your parish and see what might be possible. But yeah, if you feel that isolation, if you have that longing, let's, let's try to uh, I mean, if, bring that encounter about. So yeah, thank you for asking that. I think um, there, there, are, there are people who are longing, like St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, for a, ver- a variety of reasons. Bishop Brennan, could you close us with a prayer and a blessing? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God of love and mercy, as you guided the Magi with the light of a star to encounter your Son, with Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem, turn toward us and guide us guide our feet in the path of your ways, that we may bring you worship, that we may sit at the feet of your Son and learn from him, and that we might become stars in the world, leading others to you. And may Almighty God bless you this new year. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bishop Brennan, thank you again for sharing with us the teachings of Jesus Christ in the Catholic faith. Up next, Living the Catholic Life.